0: They say the church is closed. I say the church has never been more alive. The church has never been about a building. It's always been about people pursuing God and loving people. We're not in a crisis. We're walking through the crisis because God is with us. I will fear no evil. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified. For the lord your god goes with you he will never leave you nor forsake you we are the church built on the foundation of jesus as our cornerstone so we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal we are the church anchored in hope grounded on the rock jesus christ We will not be shaken, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. In challenging times, we don't shrink back, we rise up. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. We don't know the future, but we know the One who does. And we are his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So, church, it's time to get ready. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. We're not going back to normal. We were never made for normal. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Good morning, Hope Church. It's so good to be with you this morning. Who's happy to be in church? How many of you are happy that summer finally arrived yesterday? Come on, in Montana. I love it. There's nothing like summer in Montana. I tell that to everybody. It's so good to be with you. This is the last week of our Normal 2.0 series. I just want to take a moment, as I always do, and welcome our Eureka family. And Eureka, we love you guys. We're so glad you're joining with us today for the preaching of the Word. We love you. We've been praying for you. We believe in you. We're excited for what God is doing there. Also, our Hope City campus downtown is ministering to people that are a little bit down and out, struggling in life, and we just love that we have people that have a heart for people that are struggling in life. Amen? Amen. It's so good that we get to be carriers of hope in a time where things are a little bit bleak. If you've uh, been around a little bit and you've uh, listened to the news, tuned into to the news, read a newspaper, you'll know that things aren't quite normal, are they? And really, as we have been, we were at stay-at-home orders and didn't have church for almost two months, this was an unprecedented season. I mean, even seasoned church leaders, people have been pastoring for years, they have never seen anything like this before, never experienced anything like this. I've never experienced anything like it in my lifetime. It's such a unique, weird, odd season that we can get out of sorts. We can kinda lose our place a little bit in life, and even in our relationship to God, This series, Normal 2.0, I hope it's encouraged you because I personally believe that if we don't hang on to some biblical truths, if we don't go back to the foundation for which our faith has been built on and which the church was built on, we can easily drift away from it, get caught up in our culture, and lose our way a little bit. So today, we're gonna dive into a really um, uh, important subject that I believe um, is life-changing, life-altering, life-transforming but we have to engage in it. As we've been looking in to uh, Acts chapter two is our guide for what normal 2.0 looks like. All of us, we kind of live this, what we thought was a normal life, and if you're anything like me, you found yourself even saying to yourself, hey, um, I, I wanna go back to life as normal, right? I wanna go back to some semblance of what it means to live normal life without you know, having to social distance and wear masks and, go to a restaurant and actually come to church and things like that, and I think in times like that where we don't know the future, things are confusing, the truth can get really blurred, and we can lose track of what is real and what is not. If you're like me, I mean, even watching uh, the news, uh, reading the newspaper, we're living in an age where truth isn't right in front of our face. Like, you have to dig for the truth. You have to look for the truth. There's, there's a lot of fake news out there that if we're not careful, we could take for granted what we're hearing, what we're listening to, and it shapes our ideology. It shapes our perspective on life. Um, it shapes uh, what we believe to be true and what we believe to be real, which in return shapes how we do life. And today, I want to talk to you about a very Very important subject, but before I do that, I just wanna encourage you in the next couple of weeks, we've got some really fun, exciting things for you as a church family that I think that if you'll take the time to put it on your calendar and be there, it will encourage you a lot. And, and first one is next week we have something we do every year at Hope Church, and I know many of you are new to Hope Church, but after our second service, after the 11 o'clock service, we have something we call Lake Day, where we go up to Whitefish Lake together, and that includes our Eureka family. Both campuses come down, we, uh, you bring your food, bring your own picnic lunch, we have picnic lunch together, we hang out together, we have fellowship together at the lake, and we get to have the bonus of doing some baptisms. And that's always one of my favorite highlights is when we get to baptize those who have recently given their lives, surrendered their lives to Jesus and put their faith and hope and trust in Jesus. And there may be some of you that the Holy Spirit would just convict you that that is something that maybe you've never done before. I know for me personally and many others that there are seasons and times in life where the Holy Spirit will encourage you to get rebaptized or to do it again, and, and that's okay. Um, I had a season in my life where I did that and it was very spiritually awakening for me personally as I kind of recommitted my life to Jesus. And so there may be some of you um, that feel God leading you to do that. I would just encourage you to to sign up for that. Don't even, sometimes we overthink things and then we never do it, but I'm telling you, just sign up for it, do it if God is speaking to you to do it. So we're gonna have a fun time next week after service and then men, I just wanna encourage you for a minute Many of you have probably heard of a movement um, that I think started in the early 90s um, called the Promise Keepers Movement, and it was a men's movement that swept across this nation and really began a revival in men's hearts and lives. It started a movement and an awakening of men I personally have a conviction that men, we need a reawakening into the promises of God and what it means to be a biblical man, especially living in this day and age. And so we've got something planned for you that's fun at the end of the month on Friday night, uh, last Friday in July and Saturday morning. Promise Keepers normally has these big conferences and rallies, but what they're doing this year because of COVID is they're doing a simulcast version. And so we signed up to be a host church For Promise Keepers, and we're going to, on Friday evening, we're gonna simulcast in with probably over a million men across this nation and globally worshiping together. We're gonna eat some good food. We're gonna camp out. If you got a camper, you got a tent, bring it here. We're gonna camp out in the field over here. We're gonna do a, a big bonfire after the Promise Keepers event, do some s'mores, have some good time together and good fellowship. Get your son, get a brother, and come on out. Sign up today. You won't be disappointed. Amen. All right, let's get into the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, um, whether you read them physically or electronically on your phone or your device, turn to Acts chapter uh, 2, verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. I'm going to pray, and one of the things that I'm going to begin to do as a a habit, something that I want to commit to as a church, before I get into the preaching of the Word, I believe our nation is really struggling right now. If if you've been slightly in touch with things that are happening in our nation, you realize very quickly that we are living in a very different time where our nation is very fractured. And I believe it's going to take a move of God and the Spirit of God to unite this country back together again. And so what I want us to do, I believe in the power of corporate prayer. And so I want us together as a church to take just the next minute and pray. Would you just pray with me as I pray for our nation and our country? Is that okay all right father god we come before you this morning we've gathered together as the community of believers people that put our hope and trust in you and we know that you're our only hope for this nation god god we need you and ask and beseech you this morning together as that community that you would move and sweep across this nation god that you would unite this country God, that you would unify it back to what this country was founded on. In God, we trust one nation under God, under your authority, under the authority of your word and under the authority of your presence. God, we need you. We're desperate for you to move across this country. Would you um, unite races? God, would you erase divisions and lines? And God, would you open our eyes to see an injustice and be a part of the solution, not part of the problem. God, would we stop seeing people who disagree with us or have a different perspective as the enemy and start seeing them as brothers and sisters in Christ, created equally by you. God, that you would help us to love one another with your love. God, we need your spirit to do that. We don't have enough love to go around to do that. Father, so we ask that you would fill us with your love and heal our nation, we humble ourselves before you and declare that you are only hope for this nation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, Father God, I pray for the preaching of your word, God, that it wouldn't be just words, but this morning that it would come alive in people's hearts. God, I pray that these words would be seeds that would implant in the souls of your people this morning, that they would go down deep, they would bring forth life. God, that they would draw forth from your spirit that would water it And God, that it would grow into something beautiful. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. All right, I'm going to dive into it right now. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. As we've been looking at, there's been some key things that in the book of Acts that we see that are fundamental things that the church was built on, that our faith was built on, that if we don't go back to that kind of normal, I'm afraid that we're going to drift away from what God had intended to be the life in each of us and the life in our church. And so each week, as we've been in this series, and I think Pastor Josh did a tremendous job leading you the last couple weeks in some of the things that we see in Acts chapter 2, verses 42. I see these as the pillars of the church. These are things that in the early church that they devoted themselves to, they committed themselves to, that if we don't stay committed to and we don't devote ourselves to, we're gonna um, build the church and build our personal lives on a faulty foundation. And it says this, if you'll follow along with me, Acts chapter two, verses 42. And it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. I'm gonna say that one more time. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And this morning, I wanna talk to you, this last installment in this Normal 2.0 series, about being devoted to the word. Devoted to the word. The apostles' teaching was the teachings of Jesus. See, they they didn't have the luxury that you and I have of this thing called the Bible the Word of God, they had to take and transcribe everything that Jesus said and everything Jesus did. And then they were committed to, the church was committed to, people just like you and me were committed to gathering together like this publicly. And it's sad to me. And and hear my heart this morning. I'm not saying this to you because I'm a pastor. I'm gonna say this to you, first of all, because I love you and I believe this to be true. There are some unhealthy trends that we were seeing in the church leading up to COVID that I think actually COVID Kind of exposed and stay at home orders kind of exposed. And I hope that reawakens us to the need for these four pillars that we need to be in a room like this and hear the preaching and the teaching of the word. We need to gather around it. We need to devote ourselves to it. Not just to hear it, but to implement it and to put it in action into our lives. And if we'll do that, maybe we'll start to see the fruit and some of the fruit that the early church saw. There were signs and wonders and they said, everyone was in awe at God was doing and people were added to their number every single day. That meant every time that they gathered, were new believers that came in that did not have a relationship with Jesus, that now were birthed into the kingdom of God, just like you and me so many years ago. And I know for some of us, that's hard to remember what our life was like before we encountered Christ. But I want you to just take a moment. I think we're in danger as believers when we get a little bit too comfortable. And this comes, in fact, I was thinking last week when we had that amazing time in worship and God's presence was undeniably here with us. And God was doing something so special in us. It was a reminder to me, and I put down in my notes because I wanted to share it with you. Because I was so impacted by it personally. And I know that many of you were impacted. I've heard stories throughout this past week of many of you who were impacted personally by it. But I think we, we can be in danger when we begin to take the church and gathering together too casually. We could start to take it for granted. We could start to, like, casually, some, well, you know, if I can make it to church, I'll come to church. Ah, if I, you know, we're going camping, and and listen to me, I'm the first guy to tell you, enjoy your summer here, right? We got two months of it. Live it up, people. I mean, come on. We got to enjoy it, right? Because the winters are too dang long. So we need to enjoy it. Enjoy it with your family. Go out, enjoy it. But don't forsake the gathering. Be devoted, be committed. Two gathering around the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. And statistics were showing that what was a regular attender now is somebody who attends every other week or once a month and because we have technology which is wonderful, we can watch it online. But how many of you recognize that while you were getting our services online when you were forced to stay at home, there's something different about gathering together, isn't there? There's something that you can't replace, in fact, Me and my family, we have always been committed to coming to church, and and it's not because I'm a pastor. You could ask anybody who knows me. before, Way before I was a pastor, I never missed a Sunday. You could ask my kids, like, Dad, do we have to go again? Yes, we have to go again. And you don't have a choice, by the way, until you are 18, and you can legally be drafted into the army. (laughs) Then now you can make the choice not to go to church. Until that, if you're under my house, you come into church with me, boy. And so I take my kids to church and they don't have a choice. Why? Because my wife and I have just had this conviction that every time that we gather, every time we hear the teaching and the preaching of the word, God is going to speak something to me. I'm going to leave here different than when I came in. And you know what one of my convictions was? I don't want to miss what God is doing. Because God is alive, he's moving in his church. Come on, don't listen to the fake news and the false reports and the enemy that would try to make make you think, ah, you know, just going to church, it's the same old, same old. Hey, listen, I'm sorry, but if you go to a church that it's the same old, same old, maybe it's time for a revival. Maybe it's time for the Spirit of God to move again and then fresh in a new way. Because I'm under conviction as the leader of this church, you have to know, I personally believe and pray every time we come through these doors, the God of the impossible is in the room. He is present with us. He wants to convict us. He wants to change us. He wants to transform us. And he wants to do something new and fresh in our lives. And I don't know about you, but I don't wanna miss it. I don't wanna miss it. And so it's important that we're devoted. Look at this word devoted, what it means. I think it's important sometimes that we break down the original language. In the Greek, the word devoted is proskenero, And what it means is to be continually devoted. They continually devoted themselves. Now listen, it's easy for us to devote ourselves to something for a month, For six months to a year. But this says they continually devoted themselves to. Look at at the language here, to adhere to one. Y'all remember um, sneakers when they made them with the Velcro straps? When I read that, adhere to, that's what it reminds me. It reminds me that when you continually devote yourself to fellowship, to gathering together to hear the preaching and the teaching of the word, that it's like the word becomes like Velcro to you. It sticks to you. Can I tell you something, whatever you you devote yourself to sticks to you. And this this applies uh, uh, spiritually, it also applies to the world. You devote yourself to going to the bar, hey, it gets on you, it sticks to you. You devote yourself to uh, living a life of pleasure, then that's what's gonna stick to you. You live a life of gossip, and, and being critical and talking about other people, well, guess what? That's going to stick to you. You live a life of, of, of if fighting and constantly bickering with people and challenging people. Well, that's what's going to stick to your life. But can I tell you, the opposite is also true. That if you will give yourself and devote yourself to the word of God, that it will stick to you. It will get all up in your business and in your life, and it will bring life to you. It will transform you. It will stick to you. That's why some of you right now, you need the Word of God more than you know. And I hope today, through my preaching, that you walk out of here today with a fresh revelation of what the Word of God can do for your life and how it can not only change you and transform you, but it can encourage you. It can equip you. It can, it can give you things and speak things to you that you would never hear or never get from any place else that leads you in direction into the things that God has for you. Some of you have been wondering, what do I do from here? Where do I go? You've got important decisions for your life. Some of you, your marriages are in trouble and they're struggling and you need... God, to do something there, I'll tell you what, if you will devote yourself to the Word of God, it has the power to change your marriage, to change your finances, to change your relationships, to change the purpose of your life, to give you direction for your life, and to lead you into life. So if this book contains such power, and can I tell you something? I'll tell you something that one of my spiritual dads that is in this room right now said to me one time, there's blood all over this book, and the blood is life, but the blood also is the blood of martyrs who I believe there's some some things and reasons why that I don't even understand that why don't we devote ourselves more to the preaching, teaching of the word and to the reading of this word? Why not? I think there's, there's four things, and I'm sure there's more, but I got four things that I want to share with you that I think why we don't devote ourselves more to this word. And the first one is this. We take it for granted. Straight up, we take it for granted. Why? Because we didn't have to pay the price for it. It's free. In fact, if, if you're new here, we give away free Bibles. If you don't have one, we'll give one to you. But there's something about when something is freely available to you, that for some reason we begin to take it for granted. And this book that is so full of life and so life-changing and so transforming, it can sit on our bedside table and collect dust and, and we pull it out when we get in trouble and we pull it out when we need it, but we don't realize that we need it way more than we think. We need it every day, every moment. And it is such life to us. But we can take it for granted. We can, take it fa- we can take it for granted to the fact that there are people who gave their life so they could put this book in your hand, in my hand. Seriously. They've given their, they've smuggled Bibles into places that it's illegal. You'll get thrown in jail. There are people sitting in jail somewhere right now because they smuggled the Word of God because they realized we gotta get this book in somebody's hand. Why? Because it means life or death to somebody. And guess what? Not just somebody out there. This book means life and death to us, but we can take it for granted. The second thing that I think is one of the reasons why we don't devote ourselves to it is because we can treat it like a duty. We can treat it like, listen, we know we're Christians. We've been taught that this is important to read the Bible, that you should do it, and you should do it daily. And so... I think, you know, when we're early in our Christian life and it's exciting, we still have the, 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 the feelings and we're, we got the goosebumps and it's easy to read the Bible then, but we can lose a little bit of, of the life in it and it could be, start to become more like I'm supposed to do this rather than I want to do this. I enjoy reading this. And we could treat it like I have to read it because I'm a Christian and I know that's part of the deal. My, my pastor just preached a good sermon on it. And uh, so I know I'm supposed to read it, but I read it and I open it and, you know, I get through my devotion and I read some scripture and it's good, but, you know, it becomes like duty. Like I have to do it and I lose the life in it. The third thing that can happen and one of the reasons why we're not devoted to it is because we can begin to treat it like a ritual. We can begin to treat it like, you know, I've got my, I, I love the Bible app on my phone and my iPad, I love it. But I love putting this book in my hands. I love a good leather-bound Bible. There's nothing like a good leather-bound Bible. And, and there's nothing like going through the pages of the Bible and, and marking the Bible and taking notes in your Bible. And as you read the Word of God, the Word of God is reading you. And, and, and as you read the Word of God, there's words that pop out at you and God speaks to you through it. But if we're not careful, we could get into a rut in reading the Word of God and hearing the Word of God even, where we could be in a service and we could tune out, we could get on, we could get and play solitaire on our phone and mm-hmm, amen, preacher, mm, I'm back, I, Oh, I got an ace. And, and we can, you know, be on Facebook and, and texting people and we could treat it so casually, no. The reading of the word of God is holy. This book is holy. They call them the holy scriptures for a reason, that this book is holy. And when we gather around the teaching and the preaching of the word, this isn't some casual light thing. We need to honor this word for what it is, it is holy. It's not a ritual, it's not religion. In fact, that, that was the problem with the Pharisees in Jesus' day, he was constantly rebuking them because they knew, listen, they knew the Word of God. they memorized it. They had little boxes on armbands on their arm with scriptures in it. They could quote you anything out of the Bible, but what was missing, the life. It had become religion to them. It became a ritual. It became something they were supposed to do, but not something they loved to do and love it. I love it. I do it, not because I have to, not because it's just some ritual. And many of you, you can get in a rut reading your Bible in a Bible plan. And I hope by the end of this message that you have a renewed hunger, and you you make a commitment to be devoted to not just read the word ritually and like a religion, but to read it, to let God speak to you and give you life in it. The last thing that I believe that we can, um, that we could not be devoted to the word, is because we don't believe in it. Now I think this applies to believers and non-believers. It, it never ceases to amaze me. I gotta be honest with you. As a pastor, sometimes I'll, I'll speak to some, some people that are in my church and I'll, they, they've got a problem or something, they'll come to me for counsel and I'll realize very quickly, you don't really even know the, what the Bible says about this. You don't, you don't understand, like you, you haven't put your faith in it. You don't really believe in it because if you believed in it, you would actually be following what it says to do. So, we need to believe in it. We need to put our faith in it. The last one, sorry, is we don't understand it. And there are many people that I talk to, and they're like, Yeah, Pastor Lance, you know, I read the Bible, but you know what? It just doesn't really do a whole lot for me. I read it, it's kind of complicated. I don't really get it. I don't understand what it's saying. And and so, you know, I read it, but it's just like, I don't know, it's just like reading the newspaper or anything else. I don't really get it. And, and I think there's some reasons for that. And, and here, I wanna to try to help you if you fall into any one of those categories. And I could tell you, there's been, there's been seasons and times in my life, in fact, recently, um, I've had a, a, a revival with my Bible. And I have um, begun, I mean, I read the Bible. One of the dangers of being a pastor is that I could read the Bible to feed you. <laughs> and I forget that I need the Bible to feed me. Like, I'm just the son of God, just like you are, and our daughter of God, and I need the Bible to feed me as much as I am consuming it to feed you. And, and so I recognize that's a danger in my life, and so I want to read the Bible. I love the Bible. The Bible saved my life. It saved my life. It continually saves my life. So here's some things that I believe that we need if we're going to devote ourselves to the Bible. First Thessalonians 2.13, Paul is admonishing the church in Thessalonica. And he says this, and we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, you heard from us, you accepted it, listen, not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you, and here's the key, who believe. There's two things in this scripture right here that I think are really important. The first one is this, is that when they heard the word of God, they accepted it. They accepted it. The second important piece in in that scripture is that they believed it. And so there's two key things that you have to understand about the word of God. If it's gonna be alive to you, you must accept God's word and you must give it authority in your life. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor Lance? Here's what I mean by it. I know that there's a lot of people that debate the Bible, its accuracy, um, they wanna know, like, you know, they get into dinosaurs, and is it, is it really fit into history, and can we really trust the Bible? It was written, by the way, it was, it was written by men, and aren't men fallible, and all those kinds of things, and, and, and I don't have the time in this message to break all that down for you, but let me just tell you this. Anybody who has really, and I mean really, committed themselves to finding out if the Bible is real and if it is a good historical account of the world and story and people. And you have to get to a place though in your life after you do that research where you have to accept it, that this is God's word, that it's infallible. Yes, We are flawed human beings that wrote it, but I believe that the canon of Scripture has been inspired by the very Spirit of God, and it was the very Spirit of God that was giving the words to humans to pen the Bible and to pen the Word of God. But you gotta wrestle with that, and you gotta get to a place where you say, I accept God's Word as completely true, as the Word of God. And and by the way, I wanna read to you our doctrine of belief on the Word of God. In fact, I'm going to put it on the screen just so you can see it. And also, on that note, if you're newer here to Hope Church, this is one of the things that we go over in our Next Steps class, and which we're going to have today after our 11 o'clock, and it's not too late. You can sign up. We're going to provide you lunch. We provide you childcare. And I personally get to share with you about the mission and vision of Hope Church and what we believe and how you can become a part of this church And if you're newer and you feel a stirring and you want to know more about Hope Church and maybe you want to become part of this church, I would just encourage you to do that. Eureka, you're not left out. We're going to have these next steps coming up soon. You're going to hear more about that. I hope you'll sign up and I hope you'll come because I'm going to come up there and I'm going to teach it up there too. But this is what we believe about the Word of God. This is right straight out of our doctrinal statement. If y'all put that on the screen here for a minute. We believe the Bible is the inspired, authoritative Word of God given to mankind. We accept, see that? We accept the Bible as the very Word of God in original manuscript, wholly inspired, absolutely infallible, our source of truth, and the sole basis of doctrine and beliefs. The Bible reveals God and it is the source of knowledge about salvation, the origin of all things, and the uh, and here and the hereafter. It alone is the final court of appeals on all points of doctrine, life, and godliness. And we give you some scriptures. And I encourage you, look up those scriptures for yourself, but you got to wrestle with this and you got to get to a place where you accept God's word as the authority in your life. Can I tell you something? The other day, um, one of my sons started driving, and he's been sharing a car with my daughter, which basically means we've had a lot of fights in my house. And, um, and so we had this little blue car that had been sitting in our driveway, and we were kind of waiting for the right time to register it and use it again, but it had been sitting for a while. So I went to go start it up, and sure enough, it, it was dead. Battery, battery was dead, wouldn't start up. And so I popped the hood, and I popped the hood to look at where the battery was at, and... <laughs> Surprisingly to me, when I went to look for the battery, which is normally kinda right there in the front somewhere, on the right or the left, there was no battery to be found. Now this is a 2005 Chrysler Sebring, and um, and so I'm like baffled looking around and I don't see a battery. And so I'm like literally for 15 minutes, no joke, I'm searching around to try to find where the battery is in this car. And finally, I give up. I don't know where the stinking battery is. I'm a little frustrated, slightly annoyed with Chrysler at the moment, and so what do I do? I go in the glove box, and thankfully, the owner's manual was in the glove box. I, I look up battery and turn to the page, the battery. Guess where the battery was? Brilliant. It was underneath one of the front left tire, the driver's side tire. You actually have to go in the tire well, take off the panel to get to the battery. Genius. (laughs) Come on, somebody call Chrysler. Maybe there's a reason Japanese cars are more popular. I don't know, I'm just saying. But I thought, how odd. I would have never have found that battery which brought life and power to the car. Car doesn't work without the battery. I didn't know how to find the power source. I found the power source in the owner's manual. Can I tell you that some of you have been trying to find life and you've been trying to find the power to live the Christian life. In so many, you've been looking and searching. And you've been trying this and trying that. I'm gonna read this book and I'm gonna go to that conference and, and, and I'm gonna listen to this preacher and I'm gonna subscribe to this podcast. And some of you even further, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just live life and enjoy life and I'm gonna try to find my life in uh, you know, having fun and going camping and going hunting and doing all these things. Can I tell you, That some of you have been looking for life in all the wrong places. If you will go to the manual, this is our manual. This is the owner's manual. God made you. He created you. Who knows you better than the creator? This book is the manual for life, people. But it does us no good if we're not devoted to it, if we're not committed to it. then The next thing that we need to be devoted to this is we need to put our faith in it. We need to put our faith in it. See, it's not, it's not merely good enough to say, yes, I accept it as God's word. Yes, I accept the authority in, it, in, my li- in my life. Which, by the way, if you say I accept the authority in my life, then you say, I'm surrendering my life to the words in this book. What it, this book says, I believe to be true, and I'm going to use it as the foundation for my life that I'm gonna build my life on. And I guarantee you, some of you, your marriages are jacked up, your relationships are a mess. You have no direction, no purpose for your life. You have addictions. You have uh, hidden sin. There's, there's broken sexuality in your life. I mean, look at our culture. You want to see what living apart from the authority of the word of God looks like? Just turn on CNN. CNN. You'll see a broken nation that because it turns it back on God and turn it back, its back on the authority, the Word of God, that's what this nation's built on. Read the uh, Declaration of Independence. Look at the Constitution of the United States. It was built out of this book. And anytime you move away from it, it's kind of like this. When I was on vacation, um, one of the things I love to do when I'm at the beach is I love to play sand volleyball. I love to play beach volleyball. It's so much fun. It's awesome. And me and my kids and my family went out to play beach volleyball. And we started playing and we realized real quickly, when you have a bunch of highly competitive family members playing volleyball, if you don't have lines to show you where the out of bounds is, you're gonna have a lot of arguments, people. And it ain't pretty, let me tell you. And we realized real fast, even if we had to, we had to draw a line in the sand so that we knew if it goes beyond this line, it's out of bounds. It doesn't count. If it falls within this line, it's good. It's a score. It's success. And I tell you, without the word of God drawing lines, boundary lines in your life and in my life to let me know I've stepped out of God's will or I am in the perfect will of God and this is what success looks like, even when he told Joshua, listen, I'm going to take you into the promised land, but if you're going to make it, if you're going to be successful, he said, Take this book, the book of the law, which I've given you. Don't turn from it to the right. In other words, don't go out of bounds. Don't turn from it to the left. Don't go out of bounds that way. But if you will hold on to it, if you will obey it, if you'll put your faith in it, if you will stick with it, if you'll be devoted to it, only then will you have success. You want to see your life be more successful? You want to see your marriage be more successful? I'm telling you. Let this word be devoted to it. Let it stick to you. Let it get up all in your business. Build your life on it. But you got to mix it with faith. Faith is what, what makes it work. Look at in Hebrews four twelve. it says this. For the word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. Actually, that's not the verse I wanted. I don't know why that is, but that's a good one. That's a good one. It's the good one. See right there, it tells you that the Word of God is alive, it's active, and it will, get, it will get in your life. Do you know that when we read the Word of God, we're not just reading the Word of God, the Word of God is actually reading us. It, it, so you're, maybe right now you came in this morning and you're feeling a little depressed, you're feeling a little anxious. Read the Word of God. It'll discern what's going on inside your soul. I mean, look at, even in the Psalms, David said, he had to preach to himself. He said, soul, why are you so downcast? Put your hope in the Lord. Put your trust in him. Put your faith in him. Put your faith in the word. And watch how it turns my soul around. All of a sudden, I'm not so depressed anymore. All of a sudden, I'm not as anxious as I was. All of a sudden, there's a peace. That comes inside of me and gets in my soul and starts working its way through. Oh, it's so good. It's so good, and I wish I could find this, and I can't. But what the Scripture scripture basically said is like, you've got to take faith, and you've got to mix it in with the Word. When you combine the Word of God with faith, there's something that gets activated in the Word. It's kind of like when we were at stay-at-home, and all of a sudden, everybody just started baking, 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 and more baking, and putting on pounds, and pounds, and more pounds. And, but everybody was baking so much, my wife actually sent me to the store, she was gonna bake something, she sent me to the store, because we ran out of yeast. And many of you know, if you're into baking, or that kind of thing, or watch baking shows, yeast is an important ingredient. Like, the dough don't rise without the yeast. And so my wife, sent me to the store to get some yeast. I went to three grocery stores. I could not find a single packet of yeast, not one. I'm just like, please, somebody, give me just a little packet of yeast. They're like, sorry, sir. You know, like They've been selling out like crazy. But the yeast is called active dry yeast. And what it does is it, is it gets in the dough when you mix it in with the dough. It's what makes it alive. You ever watch dough rise? It's like all of a sudden you put something in the dough that didn't have life, and now all of a sudden it's like it comes, it comes to life. It rises. It gets full. It's almost like there's life in it. That's exactly what happens when you mix your faith, believing, when, when this word is preached to you, when you say amen, you're saying I agree. Do you know that? Do you know that that's what an amen means? It means I agree. And when you say that, you're saying I agree. I am believing that this word is true, and I'm putting my faith in it. But here, here's the challenge, because I don't know that that's really our problem. I actually think that our problem some, most of the time isn't that we believe it, but we forget what real true faith looks like. Now James, in the book of James, James helps us understand what faith looks like. Faith isn't just hearing the word, but it's actually putting it into action. It's do, Faith without works is dead. So in other words, in our westernized American culture, even in our, I'll, be, I'll admit to you, we have not talked about this enough in church. As pastors, I, we have done you a disservice because we've talked a lot about faith and putting our belief in something, but you're missing an important ingredient if you don't actually obey the word of God. Real faith isn't sitting in the pew and saying, amen, pastor. Oh, that's a good word, get my hanky out. And I hope you do that, by the way, because I love that. I mean, I, I, I give you permission, jump up, shout out. I mean, anyway, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, bishop. But you could do all that. You could say amen, 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 and then walk out this place and be like the man who looked at himself in the mirror and forgot what he looked like. Look at what James 1.22 says. It says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Come on, this is the church Nike slogan right here. Just do it, people. Just do it. We don't have a, I don't believe as much that we have a faith problem as we do an obedience problem. We could say yes and amen, we could read this word and believe it, but unless we put it into action in our life, it's just like what James said. And this is why some of you, you constantly forget who you really are. You notice that the enemy is always trying to twist and change and um, demorphosize, if that is even a word, who God made you to be. He's trying to let people hurt you, wound you, your past will try to dictate to you. Other people will try to tell you who you are, what you can and what you cannot do, and it will deface who God made you to be. That's why when we read the word, it's like a reflection. We're seeing Jesus in the scripture because It says that in the beginning, in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So every time that we read the Word, we're actually seeing Jesus in the Scriptures, and Jesus is trying to show us who we are. But we can easily forget it and go out when we don't put it into practice in our life. So how do we do it then, Pastor? Well, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do this Apart from the help of the Holy Spirit. I look at this um, this scripture. There's actually um, if you guys could put up the next slide. Um, there's, two, there's two words for the word. And the first one is logos. That is the written word. That, that is the word when you read the word, when I preach the written word, that is the logos. Okay, but there's there's two there's two types of words. You ever notice that you could. You could be reading the Logos, the Word, or I could be preaching to you the Logos, the Word, and then all of a sudden, there's, it's like a light bulb comes on. It's like that aha moment, like something jumps out of Scripture at you or something that I'll preach to you, and, and you'll, you'll jot that down or write it down or you'll make a mental note because all of a sudden, the Word came alive. It was inspired in the moment God is speaking to you And listen, they never contradict each other. They're always in alignment with each other. But I love how we can read the written word and that written word could come alive to us through the rhema word, the spoken word, the inspired word in the moment. So I pray and we prayed for you and for those of you who are watching online and those of you, in Rika that as you come this morning, that even as I'm preaching, that God would speak to you something new, something fresh, through the word, the logos, he would speak to you a rhema word. This is how some of you, you need direction for your life and you're like, you've got decisions to make for your life, big ones, do I move here? Do I take this job? Do I do this with my business? How do I know what to do? That, I went and looked in 2 Thessalonians and it didn't tell me to move. <laughs> what do I do, pastor? Well, you could be reading the logos, the written word of God, And God can speak a rhema word to you in a moment through that word that gives you direction and clarity for your life. And you got renewed purpose, (laughs) but you can't do it apart from the Spirit of God. That's why some of you, the word doesn't make sense. You, You say, I don't understand it. I read it. It's dry. Can I tell you that when I got saved and I got filled with the very Spirit of God, like I tried to read the Bible, I honestly did. My aunts were praying aunts, they they would send me scripture, they would send me letters in the mail saying, I'm praying for you, believe God has a call in your life. I'd get those, I'd read it, and I'd be like, man, what do they see? (laughs) Don't they know I was just at a party last night? Like, you know, they saw something in me. They saw how God created me. I didn't see it. Why? Because it takes the Spirit of God to illuminate you, and I decided I'm gonna to try to read the Bible, and I read the Bible, and it was just dry to me. I was like forcing myself to read it. I didn't understand it, couldn't do it, till one day, the day that changed my life forever, a day that will mark the turning point of my life in history, where I decided to surrender my life to Jesus, accept what He did for me on the cross, and to fully give myself, fully devote myself from that moment forward, I will follow you for the rest of my life. And I walked up to the front as the pastor gave an altar call, just like I'm gonna do here in a little bit. And I surrendered my life to Jesus. And there was his spirit that came in me and gave me a peace that I'd never experienced before in my life. And I got filled with his very presence do you know what the byproduct was? I opened the Bible again, expecting to like force myself to read it and it was dry and not understand it. And all of a sudden there was a difference. The Bible came alive to me. The words jumped off the page. I started understanding it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I started reading it for hours. Literally, I couldn't get enough of it. It was like I'd been starving for 40 days and all of a sudden, somebody gave me a piece of meat. I was like a savage, man. I was eating. In fact, I lived at the time, I lived with my aunt in this one bedroom small apartment and I didn't want to keep her up at night because she had to get up for work early. So I would go into the bathroom. I literally sit on top of the toilet with my Bible and read it for hours until I couldn't stay awake anymore. (laughs) Now, I know Confucius says, man who sits on top of toilet, high on pot. (laughs) Now, I wasn't high on pot, but I was high on the Word of God. I used to get high on some of that stuff, but I wasn't high on that anymore. I was high on the Word of God. It it gave life to me. gave life. There was so much life in it. much life in this Word. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.14, and I'm going to be done. So the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. That's why, can I challenge you with a couple things in closing? I want to challenge you to read this book, to be devoted to this book, Some of you, you need to start a Bible plan and just be committed to it. Be committed to coming every single week. Yeah, every single week to church. I'm not saying that to you. Listen, you got to hear my heart. I'm not saying that to you because I'm trying to build a big church. I'm trying to build a big you. There's something that happens when you hear the Word of God. You accept its authority in your life. You put your faith in it. You mix it with faith. You obey it. You ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me. Help me to Put this into action in my life, because there's life in this word. The last thing is we need the life from the Word of God. We need the life in it. When Jesus was tempted, he said, this was his reply to the temptation. When he was hungry, fasting for 40 days, was tired, worn down. Some of you may not be fasting, but a lot of you I can tell you you're tired. You're worn down, and what you really need more than anything is you need the Word of God to bring you life. Jesus said this, this is His very words, the Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The flesh means in my own power, in my own strength. Like you could try to find life, and you could be working really hard to be a good Christian and to follow Jesus, but I'm telling you, it's the Spirit that gives life. Listen to what He said. He said, the words I have spoken to you they're full of spirit and they're full of life. If you want more life of the life of God, crack open this word, be committed to it, read it every day and don't just read it. I think we're in a, in a culture in a day and age where we skim through Facebook and social media. And if we're not careful, we can skim through the word of God and we can miss meditating on the word of God. In the Psalms, David says continually, Selah, Selah, he'll, he'll, write scripture, and he'd write "salad." Do you know what that word salah means? It means pause. Some of you just need to hit the pause button in your life and take time to just not just read the Bible, but meditate on it, chew it, eat a meal on it. Jesus said, my word, we were never meant to live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, I brought... The very first Bible that I was ever given. This is called the Good News Bible. I got this at Vacation Bible School. In fact, it was really cool. I was at a, a men's Christian retreat. and My aunt, who took me to this Vacation Bible School where I got my very first Bible, she mailed it to me as a present. And I was at that weekend and I opened up this Bible. Whew, did something to me. I read this Bible as a nine-year-old. Presented to Lance Danek, July 1981. Village Vacation Bible School, Zion Church, Wappingers Falls, New York. Jesus is king. I love Jesus. I was nine years old. I didn't fully understand all the words in this book, but the word of God is like seeds planted in our hearts. Some of you, God has been planting seeds in you for such a long time. And what activates it is your faith and obeying it. Sometimes you got to just start to step out. And as I've stepped out into that word, do you know that the word of God has power in itself to make it happen? God said, if you'll trust me, if you'll believe me, that no word given to you will return empty or void, but it will carry out the purpose for which I set it forth. And some of you have been believing for things that God has spoken to you through your word. And I'm telling you, those are seeds planted in you that you haven't seen the fulfillment of yet. You haven't seen them bloom and get ripe and fruit produced out of your life, but it's there, they're ready. They just need you to mix it with faith, be committed to it, be devoted to it. Let the spirit of God breathe on it. That's the pneuma, that's the breath of life. When Jesus said there's spirit in life, that's the pneuma, it's the very breath of God. So will you stand with me as we close? Father God, we don't want to leave here the same that we came in this morning. God, I pray that you would challenge us, convict us through your word today. God, that you would do exactly what your word says. That it would be alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword doing surgery on our heart. This morning, God, convict us of there's sin in our life that we need to repent from. God, convict us if we've We've not devoted or committed ourselves to the study and the teaching and the preaching of your word. God, I pray that there would be a new and fresh hunger within us this morning. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would help us.